I want to begin today with a question. And that question is this. Have you ever been really listened to? Like you had something to share, something that was heavy on your heart, a burden, something you were struggling with. And you talked with somebody and they really heard you. Like you felt seen, you felt known, you felt validated. It it, it was your burden, your struggle, your issue, but somebody really saw what it was doing to you, what it meant to you, how much you cared about that. That kind of experience is summed up well in the words of Paul Tillich, who said the first duty of love is to listen. And, and there is, is a common phrase that I've heard attributed to multiple people that, that our world feels so unloved that just listening to somebody feels like love. And, and we live in a world that is incredibly distracted. We're constantly consumed with what's happening on our devices. And so whether it's a family member, a coworker, a friend, uh, just checking out at the grocery store, We've all been guilty of being consumed with something and ignoring the people we're with. I can remember one time, I just remember standing here right now, that I was in a grocery store and I was on my phone at the checkout stand, which I try really hard not to do, but that day I failed. And so the checker that day, she literally grabbed my phone and she said, hi. And she just took it from me, just grabbed it and put it in her pocket. And my wife was standing right there and she gave her a high five. I mean, it was like I was getting, I was getting ganged up on. But, but in that moment, I mean, I was in the wrong. I mean, just truthfully, like I blew it. I was not listening. And this is a difficult time of year for me for that because I'll be watching really important life-changing content. I mean, there's really significant things that are happening on the TV and my wife will be talking to me and I've gotten really good that I can recite back to her what she said. She'd be like, were you even listening to me? And I was like, yeah, you said this and you said this and you said this, nanner, nanner, nanner. And then I go back to my, my game. But even though I can recite back to her what she said, I wasn't really listening. I wasn't really giving her my attention. And what I've discovered, and and you know this too, is that listening to someone can change their life. When when somebody has something really important going on and we listen to them, we we should not underestimate the power of that. Several years ago, it's probably been a lot longer than several years, but many years ago, I was getting ready to graduate from college. And my aunt was slated to come out for my graduation. And graduation are those moments where you know they see the family you always see, but a lot of family you don't normally see. And my aunt wasn't normally in that group that I saw every year. And so I was excited to see her. Uh, But she'd been having some back pain. And she loved playing tennis, but her back pain was getting in the way of her tennis game. And so she started going to some doctors to figure out what was going on. And she ended up at this one doctor. and, And finally, somebody listened to her. I've got lots of friends in the medical field, and I love my friends. But there are some times when you have a physical ailment, and the professionals you're with, they're not really hearing it. And you have to really advocate for yourself and sometimes be stronger than normal. And this, this doctor really heard her and took her seriously and did some tests. And they, they got a test back. And in the office, he walked in and said, hey, you are going to get in your car right now and you're going to drive to the hospital. I've already called ahead and they're waiting for you. And when she got there, she had some further tests and discovered that she had a tumor that was impacting her back. And so she immediately was taken into cancer treatment for that. 
And so as a result, she did not come to my graduation. I'm, I'm excited to tell you that she still is alive and playing tennis today. She was healed her cancer's in remission. And so I was like, okay, you're doing what you need to do. Plus, she didn't come, but she sent a really large check. So I was good, you know, like I was, I was 22 years old. I was like, okay, I didn't get my aunt, but I got some money. This works out. I bring up these things about listening because I think when we talk about prayer, we don't talk enough about listening. For most of us, when we think about prayer, we think about talking. But, but prayer is not just talking to God. It's listening to. And so if you got a copy of the handout when you came in, here's the big idea that we're going to unpack today. Prayer is designed to be a dialogue with God, not a monologue to God. Prayer is designed to not just be talking to God, but also listening as well. And talking and listening together, that's dialogue. Talking by itself, that's monologue. And, and listening is so important. And, and so I, I just want to encourage you that I think a lot of us we go, okay, okay, of course, Scott, I know that. But functionally, we don't live like that. We, we say sometimes, you know, like, I'm really, I'm really looking for God to answer my prayer. And, and we say that because in our mind, we prayed, we said amen, and now we're waiting for God to respond to our prayer. But prayer isn't done when you say amen. If prayer is a dialogue. If prayer is a monologue, you say amen, your part's done, moving on. But if prayer is a dialogue, when we say amen, it's only half done. We've only finished the talking part, and now we're into the listening part. So today, what I want to do is this. First, I want to help some of you who are just getting started with prayer. Last week in the lobby, somebody grabbed me and said, Scott, can you teach me how to pray? Like, I just, I don't even know anything. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you what I would call a trellis. If you've ever seen a trellis before, it's a, it's a piece of wood that helps a plant grow. And that structure enables the plant to do what it would be unable to do on its own. And so if you're new to prayer, I'm going to give you some structure today to hopefully get you started. For those of you who kind of have made some progress with prayer, I'm going to really challenge you when it comes to listening. Because I think that listening is one of those areas that we don't wade into enough, and there's some reasons why. And then third, I'm going to give you some practical steps of what we're going to do for the rest of this series, but also into the fall as this series ends. Because really the goal of this series wasn't for me to teach you about prayer. The goal was for us to pray. And we're not going to settle for just learning knowledge about prayer. We want to press in and pray together today. So first, if prayer is a dialogue, that means there's two parts, we're going to start with talking to God. So if you're taking notes, the first thing under talking with God is this. I want to encourage you to start with some structure. Start with some structure. Again, that trellis is there when that plant begins to grow to give it some framework, to give it some, some help to get it started. But over time, the trellis is not needed the way it is in the beginning. And so we often need structure to help us. Now, I'm the kind of person that I have a really high, like super sensitive um, part of myself when it comes to cliches. 
I don't like cliches. Uh, I'm not a big fan always of acronyms. Sometimes they just give me the like, ooh, I just, I don't like that. But, but years ago, a friend of mine named Jason, he said, Scott, truth comes wrapped in cliche. And he says, you can either decide that you care about saying something new or you can care about saying something that's true. And so it challenged me that I need to deal with the fact that sometimes these things that I call cliche are actually helpful. And so one of the things that I found that's helpful that I'm going to share with you today is this acronym, P-R-A-Y. And so for those of you who need structure to get started with prayer, I know you already know the word pray. Let me just give you some meaning to it. And if you're taking notes, this is on your handout. The word P stands for praise. Part of prayer, if you're just getting started, is praise. That we praise God, not because God has this huge ego problem and is a narcissist and just needs us to praise him, God is worthy of praise, and something happens to us when we praise God. At the end of the song book in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 150, the writer says, let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, why should everything that has breath praise the Lord? Because everything that has breath owes God its breath. The reason you're breathing right now is not you. It's because God breathed life into you. And so not you are worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. So P stands for praise. R stands for repent. Now I know that I've said before, and I'm not going to make this my hobby horse for today, but, but the word repent has a lot of baggage, but it's worth redeeming and holding on to. And we see this word present even within the Lord's prayer that Jesus taught us. We covered this in week two. Jesus taught us to pray and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Part of prayer is confession, it's repentance, it's owning the places where we messed up and we missed it and we hurt people and we fell short of God's standard. And so part of prayer is repenting. Certainly part of prayer is A, asking. Praise, repent, ask. And this is the part that I think most of us are familiar with when it comes to prayer. It's talking and it's asking. And certainly it's there in Philippians 4. We see Paul saying, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So God wants us to share our requests and our asks with him. He wants us to to share those things that we need with him. But ultimately, every prayer, and especially if you read the Psalms, every Psalm ends in the same place. That's why with yield. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. In the middle of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the, way, the place where Jesus' prayer in the garden ended. God, if you have any other way to accomplish this, do it. Take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. That yieldedness is important, and it's where our prayer ultimately leads us. And so if you're just getting started with prayer, and you're like, Scott, how do I pray? Praise, repent, ask, yield. That pray acronym would be a great trellis for you to use to begin to get started. But I want to encourage you and maybe even warn you, this is a tool, not a formula. 
We need to be careful when we use these tools, maybe these trellises, to treat them as a, a, a help and a means to an end and not a formula. What's the difference? Well, when you say, okay, I praised God, I repented, I asked God, I yielded. Okay, now God, you have to, you've moved into formula. God doesn't have to do anything for you. You are not making him indebted to you because you prayed the right prayer or you said the right words. And that's where I just think, even as I've found the helpfulness of a tool like this, I just want to warn you, sometimes we get into formulas with prayer where where you're like, you know what? I did my part. I lived righteously. I prayed. And then God didn't. So that shows that we've moved into formula thinking. Because, Because even when we don't follow the formula, even when we don't pray a long prayer, even when we pray a short prayer, I shared my favorite short prayer with you in week one. The prayer that Jesus honored in the the story of a tax collector where he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Seven words. That that prayer can be a tool if it leads us into yieldness, yieldedness and surrenderedness and dialogue with God. So the first part is start with structure. But secondly experiment with conversational prayer. So we're going to start with some structure. Maybe that's something simple like the prayer acronym, but eventually what what the scriptures call us into is over time, we're going to move into this conversational prayer where it's not so structured, where, where we begin to move forward into this ongoing time of dialogue with God. And this is the place where I think the church has, has different kind of camps and different views. There are some parts of the church that really like structured prayer, that really like written prayer, that really like reciting all the same prayer. There's other parts of the church that love the spontaneous and the organic. Like when Liz prayed earlier, she didn't have a card in front of her. She just began to pray what was on her heart. And I just would encourage you that it doesn't have to be structured or spontaneous, mind blown. It could be both. Your prayers don't have to just be one or the other. There's places and times for both. And so for those of you, if you grew up in a church like ours, you probably have a lot of experience with the spontaneous and not a lot with the structured. And I will just tell you that what I've found is structure allows for the impulse and the organic and the planned and the spontaneous. Because you can go, I'm going to pray at this time of day, and I know this is going to sound crazy, you can pray again later. (laughs) And just because you choose a structure does not mean that you're giving up on the spontaneous. Sometimes what happens is the structure ensures that prayer is part of your daily rhythm so that the spontaneous can pop up out of that. And and, and so at at the end of the day, what we don't want to do is we don't want to limit prayer to only certain times where we, you know, we only pray at these meals or in the morning or at night. And we limit the kind of just spontaneous in the moment prayers. Years ago, I read a book called Please Sorry Thanks by Anne Lamont. And she covered what she said were the three best prayers. Please, that'd be like the asking prayer from pray. Sorry, that'd be like the repenting pray. And thank you. And sometimes that's all the prayer needs to be. Please, please, because God knows what you're asking for. I'm sorry. I am so, so sorry. Because God knows what you're repenting for. 
And what scripture showed us from the beginning to the end is that there is this vision of this ongoing conversation with God. In 1 Thessalonians 5, we see the second shortest verse in the Bible, just behind Jesus wept, pray constantly. In Psalm 86, we see, be gracious to me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. And then Ephesians 6, at the end of the uh, armor of God passage, it says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So we have this vision that we may start with structure and talking to God, but over time, it begins to be spontaneous. And let me give you a concrete example of this. How many of you have ever had somebody say to you, can you pray for me? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have told somebody that you were going to pray for them and then didn't? Raise your hand. A lot of us. I mean, and and if you feel bad, oh my gosh, I told them I was going to pray for them. Here's what's happened for me, because this has happened to me a ton. And I'm a pastor. I probably shouldn't be saying this, but it's, let's be, I'll be honest. It happens. Here's what I do. When somebody texts me or calls me or in the lobby says, hey, can you pray for me? Here's what I do. What I do is I say, I'll do it later too, but can I do it now? Because I've forgotten too many times. And what I've discovered is if I will do it in the moment, I'll lay a hand on somebody and pray for them. I'll text a prayer. I'll voice memo a prayer. I'll call a prayer. I'll email a prayer. Lots of ways you can send a prayer today then what happens in my brain is I am more likely to pray again if I pray in the moment. That structure of when somebody asks you, pray immediately for me, then leads to more spontaneous prayer in the future. And and the reason why this is important is that as we move from structure to spontaneity, it reflects that we're moving deeper in our conversation and life with God. Because you know this from your relationships. Relationships move from formality to informality as intimacy grows from superficial to deeper things. Your relationships become more informal and and they become more just natural as you move into deeper topics. You know this, if you go to a, a party and there's cocktails or appetizers and you're all standing around, typically the conversation is about this deep. My wife hates those events. She hates small talk. She'd much rather be in one of these environments with people, in a living room, at a dining table, around a campfire, on a road trip. Why? Because the conversations here are way different than the conversations here. Because we're moving from formality to informality, and we're moving from superficial to deeper things. And that's what happens as we develop the ability to grow in the structure and we move deeper into the conversational. So again, the big idea is this, that prayer is designed to be a dialogue with God, not a monologue to God. And that includes talking, but it also includes listening. And so this may be a challenge for some of you who who are better at talking, but that's okay. We grow when we step out of our comfort zone and when we embrace a challenge. So let me challenge some of you this morning. First, under listening to God, I want to encourage you to create moments of silence in your day. Now notice, I didn't pick the word hours of silence. Because jumping from no silence to hours is like trying to take a motorcycle over the Grand Canyon. It's just too big of a jump to make. 
for some of you, you have no silence in your day. The TV is always on. When you get in the car, you turn something on. When you go walking, you put headphones in. When you go hiking, you put headphones in. There is always noise. And yet we see in the scriptures the profound value of silence and waiting and listening. In the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, Jeremiah writes, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly, he says, for salvation from the Lord. Some of you are like, no, it's not good to wait. I want it now, and I want it loud. But, But let me tell you the question you need to ask yourself. What is the level of noise in your life like right now? If your life is loud, your life is busy, and you always enjoy having something going on in the back room, background, what you may discover is you will find it hard to listen to God, and you will spend most of your time just talking to him. There's a profound moment that happens in the scriptures in the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah's just been through a crazy set of circumstances, and he ends up on Mount Sinai, the place where God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. And he asks God to reveal himself to him. And so what happens is that there is a a great uh, wind that comes right through the mountain. But it says God wasn't in the wind. A a great earthquake happens and the, the ground shakes, but it says God wasn't in the earthquake. A great fire comes and, and the text says, but God wasn't in the fire. And then it says there was a still small voice like a whisper. And out of that, God spoke. And here's what I've found as I've read the Bible cover to cover and I've lived my life as a follower of Jesus and a pastor. I've found that God is far more likely to whisper to us than he is to shout over the noise of our lives. You can keep your life loud. It's your life, not mine. You can keep the volume up. But I think what will happen is that God will speak and you won't hear him. Because you're not listening. You're listening to something. You're not listening to him. And so I want to encourage you, maybe if if you're a young parent, it just means that you go in the closet and you close the door for a couple minutes. They will find you in there eventually because I've done this myself. But you got two minutes in that you didn't have. Maybe you say, hey, I'm going to drive to work in silence and then I'll let myself listen to something on the way home. If you're going to walk or hike a loop on the way out, silence on the way back, you reward yourself with something because you made it that long. But create moments of silence in your day. Number two, you got to examine your expectations as well. You got to examine your expectations. Now, I don't envy anybody who's buying new cars these days because they are crazy expensive. We just paid off our last car. I was so happy. Now, as it works, we had the car break down that same week. I love how that always happens. But, but if you've bought a car anytime recently, you know that you've had a certain experience. When you decided you wanted to buy this kind of car, or actually you bought the car, something amazing happened. Everybody else bought the same car too. 
You start driving around, it's like everybody has my car. And I have a little bit of news for you. Your taste is not that good. (laughs) Not everybody bought your car. You just started noticing the cars that were like yours that had been there all along. Because we find what we're looking for. And many times what happens is that we're not looking for God to speak to us, and therefore we don't find it. We're not listening for God, and so we don't hear him. I love what Jeremiah says in the book that bears his name in the Old Testament. He says, he's speaking a word that God gave him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and incomprehensible things you do not know. God wants to reveal the truth to us. In Proverbs 3, we read this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. God wants to reveal himself to us, but we have to ask ourselves when it comes to expectations, what do we expect God speaking to sound like? If God is going to speak to us and we're listening, is it going to show up like a call on one of these? I mean, is it going to be that quick where you say amen and all of a sudden you hear bzzz? I mean, I've had moments like that where I prayed and it, it seemed like it was an immediate response. But those were, for at least for me, far more uncommon than they were common. Because many times if you're going to listen to God, you're going to have to endure silence. And our world hates that. And so here's what our world has decided to do. We don't need silence because we have AI. Last month, an app launched called Text with Jesus, where you can pick the biblical figure you want to chat with, and you can text that figure, and you will get an immediate response. We are so unwilling to endure silence and waiting that we create an app so that we can have an instant answer for God. And the problem isn't the AI creators. They're just giving us what they know we will buy and download. And so if your expectation is you are going to hear from God quick, fast, and loud, you're either going to be disappointed or you're going to choose something like this to fill and fulfill that expectation. When I was in high school, I did a study for the first time called Experiencing God. And Henry Blackaby, the author of that study, taught us that we see in Scripture that God speaks to us in four ways. He speaks to us through Scripture, through prayer, through people, and through circumstances. Now, we didn't have smartphones back then, so he couldn't weigh in on the Text with Jesus app. But I have used this four-part framework as I've listened, with God, listened to God for years. Because I, I can pray, God, speak to me, but there's already 66 books of Revelation. And so many times we're praying and asking God, what should I do? And, and there's, a, there's a text for that. 
And so part of praying is searching the scriptures and going, has God already said something about that? So part of how God speaks to us is through our time in his word. Part of how God speaks to us is in prayer. I shared last week about how I experienced God in prayer. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes God speaks to us through people. I've had God speak to me, but he sure sounded like my wife. It's a little frustrating sometimes when he comes with that tone of voice, but, you know, it was, it was true. It's what I asked for. He gave it to me. And then sometimes God speaks through circumstances. And, and this is ordered in the order that we should trust it and value it. Scripture comes first. And we interpret everything through it. And so, yeah, we may sense that our circumstances are revealing something, but we then read those and interpret those through Scripture. And God does want to speak to you. We just have to set the right expectations for how that's going to happen and how that's going to sound. Which leads us into our, our third piece for this listening to God section, and that's this. We need to lean into the community of believers as we listen. We need to lean into the people around us who are trying to also follow Jesus. You know, we didn't choose where to live, when we would live, what our life would be like. But one of the things that God chose for all of us in his divine wisdom and sovereignty is that we would be born into a world that is radically individualistic. And our culture has taken this kind of individualism to sinful and destructive levels. That's just the, you're a fish, I'm a fish, this is just the water we swim in. And, and our culture so turns up the volume on individualism that it goes to destructive places where you and I are taught to always trust in ourselves, to always believe in ourselves, to always depend on ourselves, and to always do things by ourselves. Trust no one, need no one, do it all on your own. And that just runs completely counter to the wisdom and the word of God. I'm in Jeremiah a lot today, but in Jeremiah 17, he said, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? If that's true, then trust yourself, depend on yourself, lean on yourself, only uh, speak for yourself. That runs completely counter to this. And as a result, what happens is that we underestimate our skills at self-deception. What I know about you is whether or not you're introverted or extroverted, you like being in front of people or you like being by yourself, all of us are wicked good at deceiving ourselves. All of us. So when you're praying, it would be wise to not completely and unilaterally trust your own ability to discern how God is speaking. If we could get a time machine and go back in time and bring back Peter, Paul, and Mary, not the ones from the band, <laughs> but from the Bible, and lift them from the first century and drop them in the 21st century, they would find a lot of things wild including that you could text with them via AI because there are options on that, that app. 
But one of the things they would find odd is how we try to follow Jesus by ourselves. That we pray so much by ourselves and not with others. That we read and try to interpret the Bible so much by ourselves and not with others. And that we say, you know what? I don't need the church. I don't need other people. I can do this by myself. They would find that literally mind-blowing. So I want to encourage you, when you're asking, what is God speaking about? And was that God speaking in that moment? Don't answer that question alone. Lean into other people and invite them into that. Yeah, I'm not saying that you should never pray by yourself. Just don't totally trust what you hear by yourself. Bring it from others and say, hey, what do you think? What does this sound like? Does that sound like God or does that sound like my flesh? Does that sound like it's aligned with the scripture? Or is it aligned with the ways of this world? Prayer is not an individual activity. It is a part of our life with God as a community. And so if prayer really is a dialogue with God, it also is a dialogue that we have with each other so that we can make sure that we're not deceiving ourselves or being deceived along the way. Let me give you some next steps this morning before we close. The first one is this especially if you're newer to prayer, I want to invite you to experiment with using the PRAY acronym as you talk with God. So if you're like, Scott, I really don't pray very well or I'm really inconsistent or I don't know where to start, then pick that acronym out. If you're a journaler, open to a new page, put a P, put an R, put an A, put a Y, and then write your prayers. If you're a hiker or a walker, then go walking with your eyes open And just remember, pray and walk through that. If you're driving to work, put a little post-it note right there next to your speedometer that has pray on it and remind yourself and just work through that and experiment. And if it doesn't work for you, guess what? It isn't the only way to pray. It's experiment. So find another acronym. There's another one that I could have used. That's A-C-T-S. Find what helps you get started with that structure. Two, identify one way you can add silence to your daily rhythm. What's one way you can add silence? I mentioned earlier, maybe it's retreating to a certain place in your house. Maybe it's when you're driving. Maybe it's when you're outside. Maybe you decide to take your meal outside when we have this window of great weather. And you're just going to eat outside in silence where you're not having your TV in front of you. Or maybe you, you leave your phone inside so that you're not distracted by it. But what's one way you can add silence to your daily rhythm? And then third, and this is one that I'm really excited about. I want to invite you to join us for a prayer and fasting experience on Thursdays in October and November. Specifically, there are three Thursdays coming up. October 19th. 26th, and November 2nd. And here's what we're going to ask you to do. On those three Thursdays, we're going to ask everyone who calls Cornerstone home to fast. What that means is that you'll have dinner on Thursday. For those of you who like to eat at 4.30 or 5, that'll be your dinner. For those of you who eat at 7.30 or 8, that's your dinner or wherever in between. But you have your dinner Wednesday night, and then you skip your breakfast on, Saturday, on Thursday morning, and you skip your lunch on Thursday afternoon, and then you have dinner at the same time. You go 24 hours. 
and you don't eat. What do you do with that time? You talk with and you listen to God. If you can't fast because of a physical condition, then you look for something else that you can give up, and in place of that, you talk with and listen to God. I'll talk more about fasting next week, but, but part of how for centuries followers of Jesus have been intentional, committed, and even desperate for God and express that is through fasting. The early church fasted one or two times every week, and there are many of us who've never fasted one or two times ever. So we're going to invite you on October 19th, October 26th, and November 2nd to fast. And then on those three evenings, we're going to open up our roster campus, the building we own over there, at 6.30 p.m. for some prayer. It's not going to be super structured, so don't expect a sermon with blanks. But we're going to open the door for you to come and pray by yourself. You can bring some friends or family. We're just going to open the doors for us to pray together because... As we started this series, we didn't just want to pray until the middle of October and go, well, that was a good series, moving on. We wanted to pray moving forward. And so our hope is that we wouldn't just talk about prayer for six weeks on Sunday, but that we'd be people who pray. And so next week, we'll talk more about those disciplines as we conclude this series. But at the heart of what we're doing right now is we're saying to God, God, we want you in our lives. We want to hear from you, and we're going to do what we can to position ourselves in a place to hear you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you want to speak to us. We thank you that you want to hear from us. And Jesus, we confess that that for many of us, prayer has gotten a very little amount of attention in our lives. We confess that we're far more comfortable talking to you than we are listening to you. And so we pray that in this time of this year, as we're pressing in to prayer, that you'd help us to reframe our understanding of it. We pray that you'd help us to grow in our practice of it. That we wouldn't just take home with us notes about prayer. But that we'd be people who pray. So this morning, while we're here, I want to invite you, if you're in this room or watching online, what is it that you want to tell What is it that you want to say to him that you want him to know that you want to ask him? And in this moment of silence, I'm going to give you right now, I want to encourage you silently in your heart, say that to God. God, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for listening to us. 
Now, God, we're going to do our best to listen to you. scriptures, you tell us, God, that it is good for us to wait quietly and listen for you. That you don't speak through sounds of wind or thunder or fire, but you come as a still small voice. We pray that our lives would include the kind of silence and attention that it takes to hear from you. We pray that we would build a true dialogue and conversation with you. We thank you for hearing our prayers and we pray that we would listen as you respond. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.